want to welcome those joining us online and those of you here at the Spring Lake campus. We are beginning a new series today that we've titled Made for More. Uh, we asked you last May what you wanted us to talk about, and most significantly, you answered purpose. In other words, what am I designed for? What am I made for? And we would say this very simply, that God has dreamed about your life before you were ever born. He has purpose and plans for you, and we simply want to both encourage that, inspire that, and train and help you in that. This week as we begin this series, really before we enter into a study through Ephesians next week related to this, we have two great guests with us here today, Chris Conrad and Dave Gary. I want to tell you a little about them, and then they're going to come up and do kind of help us get a picture of what this looks like in daily life. Chris Conrad is our regional superintendent. That means he oversees this area of the country for our movement as the Wesleyan Church. And we've moved from just being in West Michigan to being all over Michigan and Wisconsin and Illinois as well. And Chris oversees over 180 churches or so in that endeavor. And I want to just say this very simply to you. You know, a lot of times people think of denominations as kind of this burden we carry. And ours is a movement that we gladly are both supported by and part of. And we celebrate that. And Chris, really, I want to be specific about this. As this virus hit back in March, it threw every church into chaos. And Chris took his whole team and recalibrated how do we serve and help the local church. And they have really come alongside of all of us in profound ways. And just to give you one example of that, Chris and I are friends and we hang out and I'm grateful for that. But he's also my leader and brings lots of great things to my life. And we were hanging out this summer, uh, and I was really kind of hitting a rough patch in all of this, pretty worn out, pretty anxious. And all I can tell you is, Chris, my friend and my brother and my leader, is sitting across from me, and he just says, I want to just pray for you. And I'm telling you, I don't know what shifted, but he invited the Spirit to move, and it lifted that day. I go, that's the kind of leader we have that helps and cares for us and for you and has a deep passion to see us live out our own mission to be radically loving and growing together in Christ, to reach people that are far from him and expose and develop that radical love in his kingdom wherever we are. Now, Chris is also with Dave today. Dave Gary is really our speaker. Chris is facilitating that. These guys are quite a pair and a fun pair in that. And I was introduced to Dave uh, some years ago through Chris. Uh, we spent time we spent time actually several times together. And I just want to say a couple things. I mean, first of all, when I first met Dave, Dave's a business leader, and you'll hear more about his story. Uh, but I know when I first met him, what hit me was this guy sits before the Father. He is fueled by that, has a passion for the Lord, is led by the Spirit. And I just want to know Jesus more when I'm around him. And I want to listen to whatever he has to say because it inspires me to follow Christ better. And I'm grateful for that, and I love that about him. But man, also just hearing his story is inspiring to remind every one of us, you were made for more. And so I simply want you to welcome them as they come, and you'll hear from them now. Well, when you're in, thank you so much, uh, Pastor Peter. When, you, when you're in my position, you're not allowed to have favorites, but I have favorites. And, um, and uh, there are so many people on staff here that I love, um, and uh, quite frankly, I, I, I just can't tell you how much I love the people on this staff and the spirit of God that's in this place. Uh, Pastor Peter and Jane and Steve and Sheila and the rest of the gang, I mean, I, I just could go on and go on and go on. 
Um, you just, and I know you know it, but you are served by such an awesome staff. And can we just thank Jesus and can we thank them for the staff who are. And uh, yeah, the worship team. I just, I just want to say one last thing. Just the worship team here is incredible. And how we were just led into uh, the presence of Jesus just now this morning. And when we got here, when Dave and I, and I have, um, I'm an old man with young kids, so um, my wife is actually out of town today, but I've got my 16 and my 15-year-old daughter with me. And uh, so you can pray for me, by the way, because I'm a father with teenage girls. But uh, anyway, so when we walked in the building with Dave and I and my teenage girls, just felt the presence of God in this place. And you are so well served in that way as well. So thank you, worship team, for leading us so beautifully. Okay, now before we get into um, the next four hours uh, that I think the Holy Spirit wants to give us, um, I, I just want to actually, it will be short, but um, I just want to invite Holy Spirit to speak to our lives in the ways that he wants to. So I'm going to pray, but just before I pray, uh, I'm going to give you a few moments of just silence, and uh, let me encourage you what to do during that silence. Would you just say to Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus, would you just open my mind and my heart to the things that you want to say to me? There's so many things going through my spirit right now, so many things that I carried in here. Um, I want to try and trust you with those things and then open myself up to what you want to say to me in the next few minutes. So would you say that to him as I give you a few moments of silence and then I'll close this in prayer. Can we do that? So Holy Spirit, well, David and I wouldn't know the things that the folks in this room and the folks online have brought into this time with them. You certainly know those things. And I pray that they'd be able to fully trust you with those things and say that if God created the Milky Way without breaking a sweat doing it, that he can certainly be trusted with the things that I'm tempted to worry about or be concerned about. And would you then help us to tune in to what your spirit wants to say to us in the next few minutes, I pray. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Now, Amy already did a beautiful job in the setup this morning, kind of saying it, but I want to refer us just really, really briefly to Psalm 139. Because um, you're going to start in Ephesians next week, and uh, quite frankly, I wish I was here for each one of those weeks. I pray that you will be, because we each are made for more. Um, and... David is writing, and he says in Psalm 139, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive me every moment of my life, and you understand my every thought before it enters my mind. You're so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book, and you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even say a sentence. You know every step I'm about to take. You've gone into my future to prepare the way, and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. Your hand of love is upon my life, and you impart a blessing to me. Well, our prayer this morning is, is that you would sense the hand of God's love on your life, and that you would sense him blessing your life. So um, Dave and I have, I've had the privilege of knowing Dave for about 20 years now, uh, and there's a whole cool story about how we met and what happened there, but we actually don't have time to tell that story this morning. Uh, we might come back at another time and tell that story. But um, Dave, I know you well enough to know that you always have something you want to say at the beginning. So is there anything that you want uh, to say? Good morning would be the first thing. And the second thing is I just love hanging out with your pastor. 
you really do have a cool pastor. And I think what I share in common with him is a desire in my heart to be in the presence of God. And your pastor is that way. And I've been with Pastor Chris in a lot of different churches now over the last year or two. Um, the presence of God is here, was here when we walked in. It's really, really fun to be here. So thank you. Yeah. And so, you know, I think what often happens is, is that, um, you know, we say, yeah, the presence of God is here in a place like this. But could the presence of God be where I am in the marketplace? So I'm a mechanic. I'm an engineer. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a CPA. I'm a teacher. I'm a nurse. I'm a, you know, you, you finish that line, whatever it is that you are. I work at Home Depot. I work wherever. Um, can the presence of God actually be there? Can I sense the presence of God in the marketplace as much as I sense the presence of God in a church setting? And what Dave and I want to talk to us about this morning is, is that yes, because you see, it's all his kingdom. It, it, he's not just interested in the kingdom of the church. He's interested actually Everything belongs to him. He is the creator of everything. So he is with us wherever we go, even in the marketplace, absolutely in the marketplace. And Dave is a marketplace person. And uh, we just want to share a, a story or two this morning with you about how God really wants to work in and through your life in the marketplace. Because here's the thing. Uh, a vast majority of you who are watching online, a vast majority of you here in this room, you don't get your paycheck from a church. You get your paycheck from somewhere on the marketplace. And if you think that this is the only place where God moves, then that's kind of a boring existence out there. If God doesn't work in my school, if God doesn't work in the marketplace, then I end up bivocating my life. And that's not what God would have for us at all. So I'm yeah. going to try to watch the series online over the next couple of weeks or whatever the timeline was, because made for more is what I felt like I was made for something beyond what I was doing. And at a young age, I spent a lot of time around. I, we, I had a pastor like Pastor Peter, and I really liked being around him. And so I would go with him to church plants and different things like that. His name is Pastor Warren Heckman. And uh, he's still alive, godly man, lives out west now. But I would go with him, and the more I hung out with him, because I just loved his heart and everything, but the more I hung out with him, the more I realized... I'm not sure I'm called to be a pastor. But at that time, I thought maybe I was. Because like that just seems holy. That seems like the right thing to do. I mean, I fell in love with God in the local church. My mom and dad, my mom led me to Christ. I, I, I'm born again, spirit-filled. I love the Lord. But I also love business. And I was really conflicted because I loved hanging out with him. But what I felt like was a, I felt like a football player on a basketball court. You know, it's like, this is really cool. I love being around athletics, but they got tennis shoes on and short shorts. They used to have really short shorts in the 70s. Praise God, they don't have those have anymore. Have you seen those replays? Oh my gosh, it's oh like gosh. I need blindfolds or like, something. Put something else on, quick. <laughs> well, they had those basketball uniforms on, and the more I was with him, the more I realized that I don't think I'm wearing the same uniform. It's not that I don't respect or honor what you do. I just don't think I'm made for that. Yeah, and I want you to think, I, I want you to picture that for a minute. I want you to picture basketball players and they're on the, the court and they've got, they've got the right tennis shoes on and they're, they, so they can move, they can pivot, they can do all that kind of stuff. But you felt more like a what? I felt more like a football player, to be honest. 
I, I, could, I could probably run on the basketball court, and I probably could function within the local church, but I didn't, I didn't listen to me, some of you need to really hear, it wasn't my destiny. It was not what God created me to do. Now I'm stuck. It's like, okay, well, this is the only sport I see. It's the only cool place to be. It's the only holy place to be, and the only other alternative is over here, and what I think I'm really supposed to probably be doing is being... I should be in business. I, I'm gifted in business. So I felt like a football player on a basketball court. That's very frustrating. And I could kind of work with my cleats and run down and cut. But something happened in my life at a, about 19, 20 years old. I realized that, wait a minute, if I'm truly filled with the Spirit of God and He called me to a destiny it's not necessarily more holy for me to be a local pastor or on the worship team. That's not more holy than for me to do exactly what Jesus Christ died for me to do and function where he placed me to function. And when I started to realize that through different ways and different means that the Holy Spirit taught me, I started to realize that that glass wall in the back of this building, once it gets shattered, on the other side of that is the football field. And when my feet went out into the city, I began to truly experience the presence of God in my life. I would come to local, my local church and I would be... Fired up, you'd be... Yeah, fired up to say the least. I mean, just like ready to go. But then I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? And, and then after that happened, I realized, wait a minute, let me come in here. Let me be counseled and encouraged and equipped but then sent out. And man, when I got to go out and run in the turf, just like you, you can't believe how fast you can run out there. Your cleats will dig into the turf, and then your shoulder pads and your helmet, all of a sudden they come into play. Shoulder pads and a helmet don't do very much for you on a basketball court. You just fall out a lot faster. But out in the turf in the city, when there's strongholds, demonic strongholds, things that need to be taken down, drug and alcohol abuse, addiction, things like that, those are shoulder pad and helmet things. Those are things that you can break through. When there needs to be the home for the pregnant young women built for those little babies before something else could potentially happen to them, it takes the football players to step out into the community. Here's why I came to Michigan today. I came here to say to you, you are made for more than this. You are not made only for Sunday morning. You are called by God to step out into the community, be sent and anointed by your pastor, your elders, by your local church, and to function out there on that field. Amen. And I pray that you'd have that sense. And, but more importantly, your Heavenly Father is, is begging you this morning to have that sense that he created you for something more. Something more than just, than just coming in and saying, well, I guess if I was a pastor and built like that, then maybe I could really feel his, his presence and really watch him go. No, no, no. He wants to work through you. He is he's begging you to have this sense that you were made for more and he put that inside of you. So we're gonna talk about that in really, really practical, pragmatic ways in the next few minutes. What does that actually look like when we run in the marketplace and we join with God in the marketplace? Okay, just really pragmatically, just, just down to earth. So Dave, let's go back. Um, Cause one of the things that I know about you is you're a dynamic salesperson. Like you just, you have the ability to sell. 
And when you were very, when you're 19, 20, something like that, you were, you were selling car stereos. And these two guys walk in and they, um, and they, they want to buy a stereo, but they also want to outfit this place. And so they begin to talk to you and they're so impressed by your salesmanship that uh, through a series of events, they end up calling you and saying, hey, you're, you're working in that, you know, that place, but we actually, uh, we have another idea for you. You want to come work for us in the health club business because that's what they were running. And eventually they called you and said, would you be interested in managing uh, a health club on the west side of Madison? And you're from Madison, Wisconsin. So they invited you to, um, to come and be the, the general manager of a health club. And you're pretty young, like 22 years old at this point. And you're thinking, wow, that is cool. Um, and so, but it's, it's a Sunday night and you've never met any of these folks and you're about to meet your 75 employees uh, that worked at that health club and they've set this meeting up on a Sunday night to meet their new boss, to meet their new general manager. So uh, why don't you take it from there and what was that night like? So it's an opportunity in my lifetime. I'm really excited and this is the real world. So this is like you showed up you know, tomorrow morning at work. That's kind of what I was doing, except you, I was showing up and I was kind of being promoted but I didn't know any of the people. And I didn't really know the, the, the president and the vice president of this company all that well at this point. So as I'm walking up on this platform where they're introducing me, something happened to me somewhere between my chest and my belly button, kind of right in here. Now, when I say this sentence, I don't want to make this sound weird, but I just sense that God asked me a question. Okay, now I don't hear God in my ears. I don't hear anything in my ears. No, he's deaf, basically, <laughs> I almost. I don't hear anything. He's almost deaf. And I so. didn't even listen to a lot of rock and roll either. Yeah. I don't get it. But anyway, um, so um, I'm walking up to the platform, and I have this invitation. And when I, when I sense God, when I feel like God is communicating with me, it's somewhere between my chest and my belly button, kind of right here. And it's, it's in my spirit. I mean, God is spirit, and he communicates through his spirit. You, you understand what I'm talking about? I, okay. So that's how I know that God is leading me. Here's what I sense. Will you put me first? No, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking. Not here. I mean, yeah, Sunday morning, but, but it was, will you put me first? And I knew it was the Lord. Hmm. And so I'm walking up front, and I've never had this happen before, like not in, at work. Will, will you put me first? So as I got to the platform, they hand me the microphone, they introduce me, and I stand right here like this, and I say, okay, before I even start, I want to do something. I just want to take a second and put God first. So I duck my head down like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hell be thy name. Do you know how long that prayer is? About four days it's long. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it took forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't know what else to do. Now, that sounds like that was really awkward. It really wasn't that awkward in the room. It felt a little awkward for me at first. Right. But... Nothing unusual happened. They didn't fire me. Nobody laughed. It, it all worked out. Yeah, but you had this sense that you had pleased the Lord in that setting. I, yeah, I didn't earn anything in that moment, but I knew that I took this first step of obedience in a very difficult moment. And I feel like it, for this David, it was the first step out into the kingdom of God into the marketplace from the kingdom of the church, the local church, I took that first step. It was huge for me. And I think that that is so key for us to recognize that sometimes I think we, we feel like if we're gonna put God first in the marketplace that we have to do something 
um, so outrageous, or we have to invite everyone immediately to a Bible study. We have to do something like that. All David did was be obedient to what the Holy Spirit told him to do in that and you, setting. You know what, Pastor? It was also not something I thought to do. Yeah. It was, that was not my idea. Hmm. So when you say obedience, yeah. and I thought about this earlier, it was obedience to him asking me something. Hmm. It wasn't, hey, I got a great idea. I'm going to go do this. That's not what I did. Hmm. He asked me a question, and I answered in the best way I knew how. And, and I didn't earn anything, but I did feel like I pleased him. I know how hard that was, and I think I, I could almost tell I knew he knew how hard that was for me to do. Hmm. Okay. And you were simply obedient in that moment. That That's all it. you were. That's all. One and, little and, baby step. And there are times when God just asks us to be obedient in that baby step. And, and, and again, there wasn't, you went on from there. I mean, there, you it said. It started like back to normal right after that. Exactly. It was just that one, th- th- I think this is what we miss. It was about that big of a deal to anybody on the earth. To me, it felt like it was, you know, huge, just because I was nervous and I was afraid. But, but it wasn't that big of a deal, really, in some respects. Right. And so um, you started leading that. You got up the next morning, you started leading that team, and you led that team for a few years. And then um, Dave's uh, father was a marketplace person as well, and uh, his dad ran a Napa store, never made more than $15,000 in his life. And, um, but Dave looked to his dad for counsel every once in a while, and he was just not so sure about these folks that he was working for. Uh, just not so sure that they were the most ethical folks in all the world. So he had a check in his spirit after a couple of years and just said, you know, I'm not sure this is right. And so he actually left that company. Um, and meanwhile, if you've ever been to Madison, Wisconsin, or if you've ever seen pictures of Madison, there's very much, uh, more than hardly any place I've ever lived, there's a west side of Madison and an east side of Madison, very distinct. And if you've lived in Madison, which I've done for about six and a half years, there's a very distinct different parts of Madison. And in between those two places is an isthmus that's about a mile wide. Um, and that's where the capital of Wisconsin is. And, uh, and that's also where the University of Wisconsin-Madison is. It's kind of on that little isthmus. Well, Dave's, this first entree, if you will, into the health club is, was on the west side of town. Well, he goes to the east side of town and there's a, a health club over there that's just gone under. It's just gone, just gone bankrupt, basically. Um, and so the equipment's kind of sitting there, sitting there kind of in a strip mall, kind of a little bit bigger than that. But uh, that's what's there. And Dave's dad has a friend from high school who's a real estate developer. So Dave kind of considered him an uncle, if you will, and just reached out to him. He just went and sat in, in his uncle's, not really, but kind of a, a, an uncle's office and just said, hey, um, what would you ever consider... Uh, sponsoring me to go into this health club business here on the east side of town. Dave had a buck 95 to his name. This other guy had all the money and uh, they just began to talk for several days. And finally the guy said, yeah, let's go into partnership together. And so they, they reopened and there's a cool, cool story behind that. Uh, But they reopened this health club on the east side of town. And as I always like to say at that point, Dave then just really went to work for about six years, getting up very early in the morning, opening up the health club. And there are times right now in your life when it just feels very normal. What I mean by that is you're just working hard. You don't see a whole lot of return, but you're just working really hard. Is there anything you want to say about that season of your life on the east side of the club? Okay. No, I, I did work hard just like you do every day. So it wasn't, there wasn't anything real magical or mystical about it. It was just hard work. Did that for about three years and then started to be stirred in my heart. It's like, well, this is going pretty good. We're now we're turning a profit. It's growing. Lots of people are joining. I want to go to the other side of town. 
And, you know, you, if you're in business, that makes sense. Let's go do another restaurant or another whatever at different locations. So I went across to the other side of town after maybe six or going on seventh year. I went to the other side of town, met two gentlemen that were my partner's age. They were older men. They were in their probably later 60s. And they owned this huge shopping center, and there was a health club in that. And I, I said to them in a meeting, just a preliminary meeting, would you ever consider maybe letting my partner and I buy you guys out? Because I'd like to have a club on both sides of town. And, you know, but they're not really paying that much attention to me. I'm pretty young, but they knew my partner. We begin having discussions. We get to the point where, after many meetings, we've concluded, yes, this is going to happen. So now we're going to, my partner and I, well, my partner, I'm along for the ride, <laughs> is going to buy this operation. So we're going to give them a million dollars up front, and then we're going to get, sign a lease, and we're going to have access to this fitness center on that side of town and the equipment, things like that. And so I'm, I'm like so excited because, you know, God stirred my heart. I'm supposed to go to the other side of town. I don't really know these guys that well. All of a sudden the meeting's working. This is starting to happen. You know, interestingly, I never realized that it had nothing to do with me when I met the older gentleman. It was because of my partner that they took the meeting. Mm. That's pretty significant for me to realize. But when you're young, you don't even think of those things. You just... Yeah ready to go 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 we get to the point we have a deal you're gonna buy it for a million we're, bucks we're buying it for a million bucks right we get the, everything and now we have a closing date set to do this deal this is where this gets really hard for me because i'm on the second floor of a bank i come off the elevator and as i step off the elevator what i'm stepping off to and into is like from here to the back wall is the conference room and in that conference room is everything I ever dreamed of. There's stacks of paper, and if I sign these, if you've ever been to a closing, you know, you sign and stuff, but when it's done, it's yours. That's what was in that room. So the, there's attorneys in there and accountants and, and a stack of papers and the, those other people, partners. And as I step off the elevator and I take about a step or two, somewhere here between my chest and my belly button, I, it's not an invitation this time. It's a, the word stop. And it was so strong, it was like um, if, if the kids were little and they were running out into the street and a car was coming and your dad was standing up on the, in the grass and yelled out, stop, you know, just real intense, stop, that's what it felt like, okay? That was weird for me. I bet. Now, here's the conflict I had. I have been a believer for a while now, and I know my father's voice, and I'm almost 100% sure that that was him. Hmm. But I'm so confused, because I'm like, no, wait a minute, there's an enemy too. So maybe right before I'm ready to step into my destiny, everything I ever wanted in that room, maybe it's just the enemy standing behind the elevator door and going, stop, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. Except... I know my father's voice just like you do because you've learned who he is and how he speaks to you. I'm convinced it's my father's voice. I got a problem coming up. Mm. So in that room, is what you sense is your destiny. The Heavenly Father tells you stop. And the problem is, is that if you stop, what's going to happen is, is that you're going to slay your reputation, your business reputation in the city. People are no longer going to take you seriously. I, I would say I would just let, literally slaughter my reputation. If I walk into that room and I act like one of those goofy Christian guys, 
and I walk into the real world and, and in, but in obedience, but I do, I'm going to wreck my reputation. And, and I'm young enough, and I've tried so hard on the first one and worked so hard, I don't want to screw up my reputation. Mm-hmm. But worse than that, I don't want to screw up my relationship with him either. Because I could have gone into the room. Now, this sounds flippant and trite, because I stepped off the elevator, and I'm making this sound so dramatic, except that's exactly what happened. I have 500 employees, $52 million business today. I'm not flighty or flippant. I just know my father's voice. And I'm telling you, and if it wasn't the enemy, it was God that told me, stop. I don't get it. I don't want to get it. I don't want to do it. I want to walk in there and sign my destiny and go on with the things you told me to do. You sent me across town to do this. It must be you. Except it's not you. And now if I go in there, I'm in a disobedience. And now guess what? Dave's building Dave's kingdom. I didn't sign up for that. I surrendered that a long time ago. So if you're truly telling me to stop and it's not you, you better let me know about the next 40 steps because I'm going to destroy my future if it's not you. Nothing, 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 nothing. So now I have to walk into a room and say to those people in that room, I pray about things before I do them. For some reason that I cannot explain to you, I'm not supposed to do this deal right now. Well, if looks could kill... You wouldn't be here today. No, I mean, they, were, they weren't displeased. They were mad. They were angry. Well, who wouldn't be? You know, you ever been to a closing when they ditched on you? It's not a cool thing. I just sort of backed out of the room. I, I didn't really know what to say, except, you know, I know we spent money, and I will, try, I will do the best I can to get everybody evened up on that. I'm sorry. Probably the best thing I can do is leave. And I think I actually backed out of the room. <laughs> not sure what I thought was going to happen, but I left, and I went back, I guess, across town. And your own partner was there, your, the, the other guys, and you went back, to, and, you just, and you got in your car, and you left. And you, there's got to be this sense of, what just happened there? It was a lot of stuff. It was embarrassing. I mean, it's kind of humiliating. I mean, for the, like, one of the first times in public, I'm going to share my confidence in God, and then I got to explain I'm not supposed to do this. I look like a complete idiot. I mean, it was, it was actually embarrassing. It hurt. And then here's the worst part. I thought I was maturing as a believer and starting to kind of like hear God, know God. I, I thought I was starting to follow him better outside the four walls of the church. I thought I was starting to follow him better out in the city. And the first time I go after something big, he stops me. And, and so, yeah, I'm like, what, ha- what did I miss? Hmm. It, was a, right. it wasn't a fun time, but... You know, time goes on and you just go back to work. So you went back to the east side of town. You, you continue in that business um, on the east side. And then a year passes um, and your phone rings. So pick it up there. The phone rings. David, yeah. Hey, hey Don, how you doing? It's my partner called me. He goes, hey, are you sitting down? I said, yeah, I am, as a matter of fact. I'm at my desk, and for you younger kids, the, the phone had a coily thing that connected to the wall. That's how we talked to people back then. My daughters have no idea what that even means. Yeah, they have no they idea. don't know what a phone book is either. No. So he says, uh, yeah, I'm sitting down. What's up? I can tell he's all excited. This is exactly what happens. It's a year later after I destroyed my reputation. He says, David... Mr. So-and-so and Mr. So-and-so just left my office. Those are the two men 
that were in that room, that owned that fitness center on the other side of town, they just left their friend's office, Don, my partner. David, they're getting out of the health club business. And my heart starts pounding. And they wanted to know if, if we'll come over, they're going to go ahead and do a deal with us. They're going to they're going to give us the health club. I said, what do you mean, give us, we can do it? Do you still have the money available to do the deal? He goes, oh, no, they don't want my money. They're getting out. They just want to be landlords. If you'll sign, we'll sign the lease. He said, if I'll sign the lease and you'll come over and run this club, they're going to hand me the keys to the front door. No million dollars? No. All the equipment? What about that? You, we're, they're going to give us all the equipment. They're going to give us all the membership contracts. They're going to give us the whole thing. You want to do it? My heart is pounding out of my chest. I'm like, yeah, 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 well, I'll, I'll be right over. So I, I can't even believe what I'm hearing. It's like, you're kidding. You're going to give us the health club? And I sat back at my desk after I hung up, and I, I, was, I like wanted to jump on top of my desk and do cartwheels, and then I wanted to cry. I didn't know what to do. And I remember thinking as I kind of looked up, like, first of all, who are you? And how do you do stuff like this? Because I was so blown away. And then in a very beautiful moment right after that, I had this sense and this remembrance of something that happened to me a decade earlier. See, when I was first introduced in the health club business, I was ready to be introduced at 7 o'clock at night, and I got this little invitation somewhere between my chest and my belly button, will you put me first? What I didn't say earlier is, in Proverbs, the Bible tells us that if in everything we do, if we put God first, he'll direct and crown your efforts with success. That's honestly why I wanted to put God first. I wanted to be successful at it. Hmm. And it dawned on me that God has just handed me the keys to the premier health club on the other side of town. Wait, wait a minute, the other side of town? You mean the, the side of town where the platform stood? Well, on a Sunday night at 7 o'clock, the Holy Spirit said, hey, will you put me first? That club? You mean that one? The one that I just got the keys for was the one I stood on a decade earlier, and God handed me the keys to the whole operation? Yeah, that one. He gave me the whole thing. God doesn't love Dave one ounce more than he loves you. God wants to work in the marketplace. Deeply, desperately, is looking for people that will partner with him to work in the marketplace, to join him in what he's doing in the marketplace. And um, just to give you a sense, that was a club that they actually over, overgrew or just, um, yeah, so this is the East Side Club, uh, the East Side Princeton Club. Um, this is uh, a club, they now own nine clubs throughout Wisconsin. That's one near Milwaukee. And this is, um, yeah, the West Side Club now. Um, and, but all that came out of just a sense of where you put me first. Where you put me first. And I wanna, I wanna share one last thing if I can, and then Dave, you may have some other things. But did you wanna say, now this is really cool. Like, the roof and all that kind of stuff. As a matter of fact, guys, go ahead and roll it. Uh, this is the second service. Maybe we'll take an extra 60 or 90 seconds. We've got a, a video. So that, that's obviously the same building. You can see the top of it there. That's the roof. I don't know if you want to say it, but that's awesome real turf. Um, it's just incredible. Uh, I was just up there two weeks ago. It's just beautiful. And there are tennis courts on the other side, awesome eating place up there. 
You know um, what's so cool about that? Other than that's really cool, period. I just <laughs> love that. Is that that overlooks the city of Madison on the west side. And from a marketplace standpoint, that's really neat. You know, because it is really neat. If you're in business, that's really cool. That's a big building, 50,000 members, a lot of members. That's cool. But that's a well that God built in my city. And the resources from that, unbeknownst to most people, can be used for lots of different things. That's actually one of the things that's really exciting for me is some of the events and the activities that have happened because of that. Which leads to what I wanted to kind of close this with. So uh, the reason that I moved to Madison, Wisconsin, and when I met David, is because we were there to plant a church. And my wife and I were there for six and a half years. Um, because this is my gig, Dave is the marketplace business guy. Um, he knows so much. I know a little bit about churches and, and planning churches. So there's been a little over $2 million has been spent in the city of Madison to plant churches, to start churches that no longer exist. So think of that, $2 million to start churches that don't exist today. But through the resources of the Princeton Club and God just moving Dave's heart and God directing, that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But God led Dave to bring churches together and to underwrite a crusade that happened in Madison, Wisconsin, that was totally underwritten by Dave and the Princeton Club, a four night crusade that took place. And in that four nights, a total of 1,479 people gave their hearts to Jesus Christ for the first time. 1,400 and now, yeah, what's really, really cool about that is guess what God did? He used a marketplace person. He used a marketplace person to do it. $2 million spent on churches that no longer exist. A marketplace person just living in obedience to God and watch what I can do. Would you please not sell yourself short? You were made for more. You were made for more. And God wants to do supernatural things for you. So please don't, don't you dare allow the enemy to, to trick you into believing that you don't have greatness in you because you do. You have the son of God on high living inside of you. And I just want to encourage you to go to this site. And if you go to that site this morning, either online or here, you'll see that there's a little card. And on that card, it's just written, I will pursue living my life on mission through the guidance and power of Holy Spirit in my vocational life. I'll seek to understand that I am made for more, that God has designed me for purpose and influence, and I will increasingly walk in it with the help of the Holy Spirit in my church family. And hey, I'd like a pastor to pray for me. I just want to encourage you to fill this out so that the pastors of all, shore, all shores can actually encourage you in that and can perhaps pray for you in that. They'd love that. One of the defining moments in Dave's life is when a pastor prayed over you to run in yeah, the marketplace. When, when I realized that um, my pastor did care about something outside the four walls of my local church, and then he actually said to me, you were probably made to function out there more than in here. It was so freeing to me, I couldn't believe it. And I know that I'm speaking to a bunch of you that are in exactly the same position. You'd know that you weren't called to be the pastor of a local church and you know you weren't called to be on the worship team, but you just know that you're gifted out in the marketplace. You know you are, but you also fell in love with Jesus Christ and you wanna, you wanna brag him up out there too. 
You want to share his presence out there too. I am not afraid of Jesus Christ. I am not embarrassed of Jesus Christ in a bank room, in a boardroom. I'm not embarrassed of him anywhere. You know what happens when I go in and do business deals and I share my faith? Half the room secretly already believes. It's unbelievable. I want to go out into a city and represent Jesus Christ. The alternative doesn't exist. We already know that. Politics does, is not the answer. The, you, Republican, Democrat, that's not the answer. I'm sorry if you think it is. It's not. Jesus Christ is the king of kings. He's a king. It's not a democracy. It's a kingdom. And he brought life to us, and he's positioned each one of us in the marketplace in a specific place. What if on Monday morning, every one of us walked out, not being a nut job, just walked out to work and were proud of who our dad is? Don't, don't talk that way about my dad. It literally would change the state of Michigan literally would change the state and the condition of Michigan if each of us on Monday morning would just show up, be normal, be kind and loving, and not be embarrassed of Jesus Christ. God has a destiny for you to fulfill. And we just pray that you will sense that and go live in it. So can I pray for you? Would that be okay? Dave and I want to pray for you as we close. So God, um, I remember clearly uh, when Dave and I gave this, uh, a message similar to this, when a, a dear friend of mine who's a marketplace person walked up after church and had tears in his eyes and said, I've been waiting for someone to say this to me for a decade. God, I don't know um, who's in this room or who's watching online that right now uh, is sensing you saying to them in between you know, their chest and their belly button, I've called you, I've created you, and I've called you to run in the marketplace. And stop thinking that you're less spiritual or less holy because of it. I want to anoint you to run in the marketplace. And so I pray in Jesus' name right now that there would be this sense of anticipation of all that you want to do in their life and through their life in the marketplace. And would you open doors that only you can open and God, I pray that as they hear that still small voice in their spirit speaking to them, they may not always understand it, it may not make sense, but I pray that you would give them the courage to be obedient. And I join pastor as a marketplace person, and I call you forth and ask you to be released in Jesus' name to step into your destiny. Don't be embarrassed of who your father is. He created you for such a time as this, for a purpose. He's positioned you in the place that you're in. And I just call you forth, even as a coach would say, okay, the second half is getting ready to start. But here's, here's the starting lineup in the second half. Anderson, Johnson, dot, 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 dot. That's who I'm calling forth now. Come to your position and get ready to play. Run with all your might. Let your cleats sink in and run like the wind. And obey. Just take one little step. It takes one step to get out of the locker room. It takes one step to get on the field. It takes one step to cross the goal line. Come follow your father in Jesus name. Amen. So much, guys. As we wrap up, I want to um, draw just your attention to a couple simple things. The 
The guys already shared where the site is that you can engage this way. I'm so grateful to hear from both of you. I love it. How each service is unique too. You know, it's great both times. I felt like I hear God in different ways. As pastoral leaders, we just want you to know, we want to pray over you and pour into you. We think our job is to bless and release. And so this is an avenue, a way to do that, that we'll follow up and engage with you because we know it's a little harder even on Sundays and many of you online, but we want to be ones that pour into you. And I want to encourage you, the rest of the series, I believe will be steps to continue to pour into you. And before I give you a blessing, there was one thing that hit me, Dave, as you talked, uh, that I, I know is true. We heard the beginning of Dave's story where he heard a prompting. It was just a feeling, and he responded. And then we hear years later, I would say, a major (laughs) direction. The thing you said was, I know the Father's voice. And what hit me was, the same way you were working for all those years, Dave was pursuing Jesus all those years and learning to hear him. And that's the part we play, is helping you do that. That you build the inner world to go reach the outer world. And I don't want us to miss that beauty of our call is to help you grow in him. We, we say this very simply, maturing in Christ is learning to hear the voice of God and do what he says. It's you learning to hear the spirit and responding and our job's to help you do that. And I just didn't want to miss from a simple moment to a powerful one that what was going on beneath the surface and the part we play to encourage and we say always to deploy you. We are an aircraft carrier, you fuel up and you get out. And we know you have places to go, whether you're paid or unpaid in that marketplace, you are reaching people however you're serving. Let me invite you to stand. I want to invite you back for the rest of the series. Place your hands out and let me give you this simple blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with the Spirit. May he open your ears to hear his voice, open your heart to follow his call, and guide you to reach a world in need to live out the purpose he has for you for his glory and your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.